Africa will overtake Europe in geothermal capacity by 2030 and fetch downgrades Ethiopia deeper into junk territory. From over 1,100 cities and 128 countries, Care Africa brings you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. In what was seen as a powerful recognition of Africa's status, the group of 20 top world economies added the African Union as a permanent member. Questions have risen over the ability of the African Union to present a strong case for the more than 50 countries who are not a monolith. The Union has also been seen to struggle to assert its authority over countries on the continent. Analyst Ted Kabaruka from Rwanda and Akol Dok from South Sudan return for this episode. Akol Dok talks African Union versus regional blocs. Are the blocs more powerful than the Union? The African Union doesn't have the strongest influence on African matters. This could be largely ceremonial. Because when you address African issues, African countries themselves are becoming very powerful in their own right. And they have their own issues. Uh, and you go further where Africa is, is, is opting for regional blocks as opposed to continental blocks. Where now you have the East Africa community, you have SADC, you have the ECOWAS. Uh, and you have these, these are the regional blocks that are now calling the shots and more influential than the African Union themselves. Because if people decide to weaken the African Union and resort to regional blocs, then you'd have the weakening of the African Union. And this is a solution that many people have discussed. That's a that's an idea that's been floating around. Because recently, when you see in uh, Africa, when you have the conflict, like recent the conflicts in Sudan, the conflicts in South Sudan, the conflicts in Ethiopia, those were addressed through the regional blocs, uh, EGAD and uh, that East Africa community. Same thing with some of the military coups that's been happening in West Africa. ECOWAS has been leading it from the front, where the African Union has taken a back seat. So the African Union doesn't have much leverage on African countries, but what it can use this as an advocacy role. It can bring advocacy to key issues in Africa. And it can also give this platform for other member states in Africa to go and address their issues, to express their challenges. But once again, in the age of technology, in the age of the United Nations, is it necessary to be part of a Western-aligned uh, regional bloc. And South Africa is there. And South Africa is also a member of the BRICS summit. So it was kind of double-dipping. So the belief that we have to enter a lot of multilateral organizations to have an African voice is preposterous. We can have an African voice from where we are uh, and using platforms like United Nations, African Union, and also the media and just bringing awareness to kids. Ted Kabaruka answers the question, can African countries get strong representation despite the weaknesses of the African Union? Being member of the G20 is, is one thing, but the second step is how fruitful or how uh, dynamics or how uh, interactive the African representation in the G20 could be considering the internal weaknesses of the African Union that we know, uh, it's not uh, something to hide. We know that uh, the African Union itself has very, very big issues uh, to address some of the continental issues. Uh, it's very hard for the African continent uh, within the African Union uh, meeting, being heads of state or ministerial meeting. To agree on something and do it. Uh, we know for the last 10 years with the reform of the African Union where there was uh, an initiative to reform the African Union to get its budget from within Africa 
which is still far to be reached, is, you know, the African Union itself being financed by external donors, itself it makes very fragile the, the organization, which means it's very hard to take decision without consulting the big donors. So you can imagine if you are relying on external funding as a continent. So even if you, the African Union could be sitting on behalf of the African countries, uh, being weak itself from, from home, make them weak and not uh, being very much profitable on the global scene because from home there they they, they are already some weaknesses which I think it's one of the challenges the African countries need to sit and address and then uh, participate in that global network of G20, where each country comes with a very clear agenda of what the country wants or, or the region wants. Um, there is also another aspect to be considered as uh, G20, uh, as the African continent is joining the, the, the G20, uh, the global issues, some global issues are, are shared among the nation, uh, being the West, being the, the, the northern countries and the, the southern countries, but each part of the world, considering its uh, economic level, experience uh, the challenge differently. If I can refer to the global warming issues, uh, environment protection and so forth, you know, um, you know, what the Western countries, their aspect of contributing to the global warming different from the continent. The continent is rather suffering from what the northern countries are, are, are doing on the global warming. So Africa need to be very firm and have a very clear uh, position on different global issues so that in case the G20 will be meeting, discussing, for any, any resolution to be taken or any recommendation, the position of the African country need to be very much clear and serving the interest of the African. That's what every African would expect the continent to be represented in the G20 network and be very profitable to their presence. And a quick look at the markets. The market segment is powered by the Development Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. The Central Bank of Egypt left its key overnight deposit rate unchanged at a 29-year high of 19.25% and its lending rate at 20.25% in its November 2023 meeting, in line with market expectations. The hold came despite elevated levels of inflation in the Egyptian economy, which has remained above the 30% threshold for most of the year before reaching a record 38% in September to counter inflation, market expect the Central Bank of Egypt to eventually mandate a fresh round of tightening along with another devaluation of the Egyptian pound in line with the IMF's urge for a more flexible currency policy that comes in hand with its $3 billion rescue package. Still, analysts deem it unlikely that the Central Bank could pass such developments, likely resulting in a price shock before the country's presidential election in December. And a quick trip around Africa. Africa's geothermal sector will attract at least $35 billion in investments by 2050, showing the critical role geothermal is set to play in meeting the continent's rapidly growing energy demand. 
Ristad Energy's latest projections reveal this significant investment will see Africa's installed geothermal capacity surpass Europe by the end of the decade. Despite being home to only one gigawatt of geothermal capacity in 2023, half of Europe's total, Africa's total installed capacity will more than double by 2030 based solely on already announced projects. Kenya and Ethiopia will lead the growth of Africa's geothermal sector, accounting for close to 90% of total capacity. Geothermal power has contributed to Africa's energy sector since the 1950s. The Democratic Republic of Congo was the third country in the world to build a geothermal power plant with commissioning of the Kiabukwa power plant in 1952. Today, international players are increasingly looking to the East African rift for growth opportunities as geothermal energy provides a stable energy source that complements intermittent sources like wind and solar. Ristead Energy forecasts the investments in Africa's geothermal sector will reach at least $35 billion from 2024 to 2050, driven by rapidly growing energy demand in East Africa. The unemployment rate in Morocco rose to 13.5% in the third quarter of 2023 from 14.4% in the same period a year earlier as the number of unemployed increased by 248,000 to 1.625 million. Meanwhile, employment declined by 297,000 to 10.75 million. Among sectors, jobs shed in agriculture, forestry and fisheries, services, construction, but increased in industry. Fitch downgraded Ethiopia deeper into junk territory to CC from triple C minus, citing gaps in the country's external financing that it said increased its likelihood to default. Rating in the CC bracket is seen to be as eminent risk to default. Fitch cut the rating for the country's foreign currency debt, also citing the probable risk of default as it pursues debt relief under G20's common framework argument. Africa's second most populous country has struggled with debt, which government figures pegged at 28.2 billion US dollars at the end of March following a punishing two-year civil war that ended last year. It requested a debt restructuring in early 2021 under the Common Framework deal set up during the COVID-19 pandemic to help low-income countries navigate debt crisis. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit the website, that is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at Withadong. <laughs>